Welcome back to uh, the Duke Basketball Junkies. I'm Michael Eckstedt, one of your hosts. I'm here with my old buddy, Peter Rowe. How you doing, Pete? What's up? Um, it's Monday. Uh, Duke had a couple of mostly good wins this past week. Nice stretch of basketball. Got back on track. Absolutely. Uh, it was good to see. They, Coach K handed the, uh, the torch off to Coach Capel. Who almost lost. You almost blew the game. <laughs> Somehow became a six-point game with a minute left. Yeah. No, I don't think it was Cable's fault. It hey, wasn't his fault? Well, those guards, you know, BC has a good offensive team, you know, regardless. They, 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 they shoot well. They finish well. They have good guards. And uh, we just went cold shooting. We had a bunch of open looks in the second half. We missed, like, about ten straight of them. I mean, that's not a coaching mistake. Uh, maybe the defense got a little lax at a certain point, but uh, I thought it was fine. Defense has been bad all year. Defense has been on and off. Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely something that they, they can. One of our few good on. defenders was out of the game the whole game. Which one, Emil? Emil. Yeah, Emil wasn't there. Our big men, Giles and um, Holden, both look like they're still not in like good condition. They look like clowns. <laughs> uh, I love you, Pete. They, what you, do you mean they look you, like? Do you see that one? Um, there was one sequence where Bolden looked great. He was fighting through a screen. He stripped the ball away. Dove, got down on the dove floor. on the floor. Yeah, got down on the floor. <laughs> he threw the ball to his teammate. Then he sprinted down the court. Looked great. I'm like, wow, this is what we need—a six-eleven athletic guy. He gets the entry pass on the block. <laughs> he proceeds to use up his dribble. And then he takes three additional steps afterwards and gets called for the travel. It was just like Damon Domzalski freshman year or Mason Plumlee as freshman year. Like, you, you take the good with the bad. They're only going to get better with playing time. But it was just such a freshman type type of thing. See, Mason almost had a triple-double the other night. Mason is fantastic. Very He's, underrated. He had 12 assists in a game. Guys running the, the high always, post. Hmm? He's always been a good passer. He has always been a good passer, yeah. and he can still jump out of the building. Yeah. Um, Apparently, he's a just a really good fit for Portland. Yeah, last year I thought he might sort of lose playing time to Lauren Meyer. Is that the guy's name? Don't know. Yeah. Don't follow NBA. They, they picked up another one or two kind of like similar big men, a little smaller, but Mason won the battle for the, the long-term starting job, it seems like, so good for him. So this Meyer guy backs him up in Portland? Or was traded or didn't? Yeah, you know, I'm not an it. expert on it. He might, he might even come in and play minutes at the four. I'm Sorry. probably, I'm probably getting his name wrong. Now I have to look, look it up. Now I gotta look it up. You don't have to look it up. Now I gotta look it up. Yeah, there he is. He's six ten. I got the. To- I must have the totally wrong guy. Lauren, Lauren Meyer was uh, drafted <laughs> by the Mavericks in 1995. My co-host, ladies and gentlemen, Trailblazers roster. Factually incorrect and Googling during the podcast. Here we go. Here we go. Who else did they have on their team? Myers Leonard. Myers Leonard. It was just inverted. Lauren Meyer. Wow. All right. Myers Leonard is 7-1. He's also a center. He's 24. He shoots pretty decently, I think. Jake Lehman. Yeah, they 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 got a good roster. Apparently, they might... They might be looking to trade um, McCollum. McCollum. 
I thought, yeah, like his skill set overlaps with Lillard's. Okay. Uh, so we're going to have our first <clears throat> guest today before we get into the Very games. excited. Yeah, I'm excited to have a guest because, you know, who wants to listen to the two of us? Uh, we're going to call Devin Gordon. And for those of you who don't know, Devin Gordon was uh, my college roommate for parts of... For, uh, when did I room with him? Junior year I roomed with him and sophomore year. Uh, he went abroad one of those semesters, but he was editor of the Chronicle mm-hmm. and was always at the Chronicle building, so he was never, he was never in the dorm room. Had it all to myself. Uh, <laughs> unfortunately, I didn't know what to do with that at the time. Um, and but the, three, uh, the three of us were all in the same freshman dorm. We were all in Pegram. Devin came in the same year, graduated the same year as us, went to New York. That's where he went. He studied abroad in New York because I went and visited him. And I happened to be going up to, to not surprise him. I think he knew I was coming. I went up with another buddy of mine. We happened to see him in front of his building walking like home. And we jumped him on the street. Like just jumped on his back. I was so excited to see him. I didn't realize in New York you can't just go up to somebody and like they don't know you're coming. Did he pull out his knife? He just screamed like a little girl. It was great. <laughs> but uh, since then he's gone on to uh, to become like a some kind of associate editor at Newsweek and more recently uh, is one of the executive editors. Maybe it's the executive editor at GQ. So we're going to give Devin a call. And uh, he's been on programs like... He knows people. Yeah, he's part of the literati kind of... He lives in Brooklyn. He's much cooler than we are. So let's give Devin a call and see if he answers. And uh, he still watches basketball sometimes from uh, reports. Hello. Hey, what's up, Devin? How's it going? Hello, Devin. I'm, am I, I'm not live or anything, am I? Uh, yeah, you're live, buddy. Yeah, <laughs> we, that's how we do it here. Yes. Welcome to the Duke Basketball Junkies. At one time, you were a Duke Basketball Junkie, right? Yeah. Yeah, I'm less of a junkie now. Um, I'm, I'm still a huge, huge fan. I, I don't think I can claim junkie status. All right. Life intervenes. Yeah, you got children now, right? You got two kids. Yeah. You got a wife. You got a, a job. Are you the executive editor at GQ, or are you one of the executive editors? There are two executive editors. Oh, which of you is better? Uh, well, I've been here longer, um, so there is that. Um, um, but other than that, you know, we'll just we'll just fight it out in the ring. Okay, Peter, you haven't talked to Devin in a while, have you? Good to hear your voice, Pete. Devin. How are you? Good to hear you. You too. Uh, I just related the story of of uh, surprising you in New York when you were studying abroad uh, to Peter. It's and, not really uh, abroad. Yeah, well, it was it was abroad, right, right, Devin? Studying abroad, an hour from my house. <laughs> an hour from where you grew up, right? An hour from where I grew up, closer to, uh, closer to where I grew up than uh, than my college. Yes. All right, Peter has a few questions for you about your uh, Twitter persona, and um, we might okay. as well just get right. right in, we might as well get right into it before we we talk Duke basketball, right? Really? Yeah. So go ahead. So you, Devin, you briefly had a Twitter beef with uh, Jason Whitlock, right? Can you give us a quick? Oh my gosh, I guess I did. Um, huh? Well, that was a couple months ago, and it was about, it was about the... Cam Cam Noon, right? 
yeah, that's right. That's 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 what it came up. Um, yeah, and it was about uh, Jason believing that. Um, I, I guess I guess his perspective was that um, journalists should have no expectations that, um, particularly white journalists, should have no expectations that um, African American athletes could or should or would um, speak honestly and forthrightly about. Um, subjects of political and national import. Like, there's no reason we should be asking it. It's um, and and if we do, we shouldn't expect to get a candid answer. I, I mean, maybe I'm, maybe I'm uh, the, the the details are hazy, but but that seemed to be what he was arguing. And then somehow it got into Muhammad Ali somehow, and I thought his Muhammad Ali history was was basically non-existent. But um, I don't know. It kind of went how most conversations with Jason Whitlock go, don't you think? Where you're just slinging mud. Yeah, I guess. I mean, well, you know, once you, you know, once you get once that that sort that seems to be sort of where it goes. Well, Jason, I, mean, I didn't think that's what I was doing. I hope not. But recently had that experience at ESPN that didn't go well, and uh, I mean that's putting it mildly, but yes, <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, so yeah, you got into it with them, and uh, what was interesting for us as your friends is, oh, here's our our. Our dorm buddy Devin getting it into getting into it with a large slinging mud with with Jason Whitlock questioning his journalistic ethics or receiving a journalistic ethic lesson from Jason Whitlock. Yeah, wound up with him thinking he had lectured you and told you I what was, that was what I thought, but I thought you actually I, got the better of him and you. you I showed, thought it was awesome. You showed like uh, some good restraint. If people want to go and check out the exchange, it's not really that sensational. And I don't think you you slung mud. I thought you stayed classy, buddy. So good job, good job. Oh, I mean, you know, uh, thanks. Um, I just, you know, I thought it's it, to me. It seemed like a sort of a par for the course exchange with Jason Whitlock on Twitter. <laughs> I haven't had many of them. I don't know if I've ever had one like that. I was surprised. I guess I shouldn't have been surprised by it, but I was surprised at how thoughtless it seemed. Like I don't, I don't think of him as. He's not my favorite, but I don't actually think of him as a dumb guy. But that argument really seemed dumb to me. Like, how can I? How can you not ask the quarterback of a Charlotte-based franchise about Black Lives Matter and and what's going on in the nation about police brutality? At after a summer in which you know, it, like Charlotte was ground zero for this stuff. Yeah, all sorts like, of issues going on in North Carolina these days. Uh, you know, it just it just it seems incomprehensible. It seems you know Colin Kaepernick and all, all the things that NBA players are doing. I mean, to me, to me, what I actually thought was really really interesting about that. And I don't think we want to get too far off the topic of Duke basketball, but what to me was most fascinating about that was not black versus white conversations, but NFL versus NBA. That to me was the bigger thing that was going on there was that the cultural difference between how you can be political in the NBA versus how you can be political in the NFL is wildly different. Um, and that's why something that was wouldn't have even gotten shrugged at in the NBA, what Colin Kaepernick did was like a national story in the NFL. Players have real political power in the NBA in terms of the makeup of the league and the way it's made up and the power structure compared to the NFL, which <clears throat> I guess is uh, more you got to stay in line, right? Very much so. I mean, it's, you know, they're just like, one's a very conservative league and one's a very liberal league. And, you know, the NBA is just a much more progressive, both culturally and politically, than the NFL is. And I'm not, I'm not, I'm not attaching positive or negative 
the NFL is, is a much more culturally conservative, red statey league, and the NBA is not. It's different, um, which is personally one of the reasons why I love the NBA and why you know I get so excited about college basketball and you know watching our guys, um, you know, come into that league, especially as Duke's. Uh, role in the NBA has, has really grown in the last decade. I mean, that was one of the things I was interested in talking to you guys about is that when we were in college, um, and for a while after that, it was an article of faith that Duke players did not perform in the NBA. And well, I thought that was an, I mean, un, an unfair criticism, but but not wholly out of bounds at the time. I mean, we were getting guys like Chris Collins and Trajan Langdon and uh, Steve Wojciechowski and. You know, certain certain players weren't translating over to the pros. We were getting a lot of three, four year guys. Um, although back then, one and done wasn't really a thing, right? Uh, people yeah. were skipping high school. Kobe almost came to Duke, uh, but but yeah, uh, there was a cultural difference in the mid to late '90s when we were at school there to now, where you know it's really changed a lot. Um, I mean, it was the thing that it was the thing that Carolina fans. You know, the, the Carolina people that we knew, it was like, it was the first thing they would lord over you. Um, Jordan. And <laughs> Jordan, Jordan on down, yeah. you know, I mean, I know, I don't know about you guys, Wallace, but I used to feel Stack like Wallace, a little sheepish Vince when Carter. I would have to like talk up Corey Maggette, you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, no, we have some talented players, Corey Maggette's really good. <laughs> yeah, Grand Hill, uh, Grand Hill was our go-to back in the day. But uh, basically, the narrative of Leitner's NBA career, uh, him not not being a superstar in the NBA, and just, I mean, I think he was an all-star he's, one time. I think twice. I, yeah. I think he was still okay as an NBA player. Right, but he's our greatest. We have to defend his career, you know what I mean? Like, and, you know, when you're in, you know, if you're at Carolina, you didn't have to do that. Like, the guy who was supposed to, and the guy who was supposed to change all that was Jay Williams, and then look what happened to him. Yeah, and look what happened to Bobby Hurley, and it's uh, there, were, there was a string of some bad luck, you know, circumstances to some of our guys, you know, for sure. Uh, but now, now every year we're sending two, three guys into the draft. Uh, you know, this year we thought we were going to have three lottery picks: Bolden, uh, Tatum, and Giles. Right? Now we're not so right. sure, are we? Uh, I haven't looked at the latest. What's the latest? Um, I think Bolden, Bolden actually fell out of this year's draft. He's projected mid-first round next year, or the following year, uh, along with Frank Jackson and Luke Kennard, all are mid-first rounders next year. And this upcoming year, uh, Tatum is still top five, and Giles is maybe like top 15, um, and Grayson should be late first, early second. Yeah, I wonder... Are you guys- Go ahead, no, go ahead, Mike. No, go ahead, bud. I wonder when we should be moving Grayson into the next draft. I think he's gone. Do you think the events of the last couple weeks mean that he's gone, or do you think he was gone anyways? Mm. I thought this year was just like an extra year. Like, it was sort of like a bonus to Duke. Um I, I just can't see him staying four years. Uh, what prompted you to say that, uh, Devin? Uh, it, I, I certainly thought that in the beginning of the year. And now I wonder if the events of this year 
have revealed a player who is less ready in more fundamental ways uh, than we realized. I mean, I, you know, I, a buddy of mine, um, a writer here at GQ, who's a Carolina guy, you know, texted me immediately after the, the Grayson stuff. I was like, you know, K cost this guy millions by talking about staying. And I said, I, I think we, I think we just learned why he shouldn't have left in the first place. Like, don't you get the vibe that this is a pretty immature kid, and and that the immaturity, you know, got exposed in a real way, um, that may have given many NBA teams pause about his makeup. He was already a borderline sort of combo guard player, right? Like he's a little too small to be a combo guard in the NBA. I don't know. I mean, it, it feels to me like unless he gets his act together and has a great tournament, like, you know, I, I, I guess there's a lot more to go, and I, I feel like there are scenarios where this year ends with him back in school, um, and all the scenarios that end with him coming out of the draft are exciting for us. <laughs> I, I, I See, I don't – I feel like it's almost 0% that he comes back. Because – he just doesn't want to deal with it anymore. Um, yeah, why Why would he come back? And, and I also, do you really feel like Coach K could talk him into staying another year? I mean, does Coach K talk people into staying anymore? Is that what he does? I, I, I thought he kind of gave that up, and that's the whole idea of how our program has morphed. I, I'm proposing that, that, that K may have less persuading to do this year than he did last year. I, I, and that could be empty speculation, and obviously it has a ton to do with how things change on the court. Not to mention the fact that, you know, the reason why we were all so surprised by this in the beginning is it just on its face seemed like a bad decision to not be in this current year's draft as opposed to next year's draft. As in, it's, why not be in the Ben Simmons draft if you could be in the Ben Simmons draft as opposed to going in the teeth of this one? What if he's a second-round pick? Well, this year's draft, draft. Is, is, like, first of all, the, the strongest draft in years and deepest draft. So, you know, I don't know yeah, how so What if he's a second-round pick now? Yeah, but I don't. I, I I like if it were a weak draft. I don't think Grayson would be like a top ten pick. I think he was always sort of slated towards late first round, early second round. I don't think anybody projected him as like a top fifteen type of pick. No, I, I I agree with you. But what I'm saying is, in this draft, a late first round pick might now be a second round pick. And if yeah. you're a second round pick, maybe Undrafted. maybe. You should just come back and be the national player of the year like you were supposed to be this year. Well, I think I think I think you have to take a step back. Like, first of all, the guy his freshman year after the tournament, he just talked about being a four year player. If there's a trajectory for him staying four years, it came from his own mouth. Now a lot of guys pay lip service to that and they don't mean it. But Grayson really seemed to love Duke. And one of the defining characteristics of him of him is he seems to love the uniform, and he loves the team. And the ironic part is that he, it's costing him more than it costs other people. Like, if he wasn't Grayson Allen on Duke, yeah, I don't think, you know, he'd be trending on Twitter quite as hard as he is. And I don't think he'd have to deal with the nonsense. You know, like, during the PC game, people said he tripped somebody. He, like, got pushed, he got knocked over, and his, his leg... His foot came up a little bit, and now, now the you know, it was the third or fourth story on the sports news app I read is Grayson Allen did it again. It's like, how how could he deal with that for another year? Is sort of the way I'm thinking of it. Like if he leaves Duke, he'll actually not be as 
notorious. Uh, so that's one aspect that I think is a real factor at this point, you know, and you know he might be a, a more anonymous player in the NBA, and if he leaves, he, it might be better for him mentally, a la Shavlik Randolph back in the day where he was a bust at Duke, but as soon as he left Duke, he was just another guy trying to make a living playing basketball, and it seemed to help him. Uh, Grayson Allen could use a little bit of blending into the background again, so. And then the other part of it that I don't think either of you are really giving him credit for is he really is a very talented player. And these days, shooting is the most important skill in the NBA. And he's a phenomenal shooter. And the other really important offensive skill is passing. And he's a phenomenal passer. So I actually, I mean, if, if I was rooting for an NBA team and he was available in the 20s, I, I would take him, you know. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't, I don't, I'm not arguing with his 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 value as a player. I'm 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 not persuaded he's big enough. I'm not persuaded he's a great enough shooter and passer. Um, um, I think Pete's past uh, characterization of him as a swinging gate on defense is kind. Um, I mean, he's trying. Someone's been listening to um, the podcast. <laughs> um, you know, I think he's he's trying. Um, I don't know. I guess the part of this that I don't agree with, and that I would, and that would make me think less of him as a player and diminish my expectations of him, is this whole: wouldn't it be easier just to fade in the background and you know restart and become anonymous and have it easy? No, hell no, no. If he's going to be a good player, what I want him to do is come out breathing fire and just slay everyone. That's what I'm looking for, and and I actually think that he has that kind of personality. I mean, I think it's bound up with the guy who's tripping people. I think he wants to cut people's heads off, and you know, <laughs> if if he wants to cut people's heads off, let's see it. You know, get past it that way. Get past it because if in the NBA, the way they make people stop talking about this is they dunk the ball down your throat, and 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 that's what I'd like to see from him. I'd like to see him be motivated by this and the rest of the team to be motivated by this to just go annihilate everyone now that unfortunately that whole narrative was derailed at least temporarily by this coach k stuff um and and now it becomes a different conversation now it's going to be now the next month is going to be a partly grayson conversation but also a you know is is jeff capel you know what's he going to do with the keys that kind of thing which is a good conversation to have a great conversation to have, particularly in January and February, but I worry that it's going to interrupt the emotional bounce back that this team may have needed. Well, let's get into it. Let's get into your thoughts on uh, Coach K and Capel. And, um, you know, I know you were there in 94, 95, just like we were when K went out the first time. And we, we talked about that a little bit last week. Do you remember it uh, like I remember it? Can you add anything? You know, you were working hard at the Chronicle then. I know you were only a freshman, right. but uh, what what can you can you give us a little more sure. uh, you know, background on that and sort of how you remember it and how it compares well, to I, what's going I, on? I just now? want to say first of all that I thought that fast that, that discussion you guys had about Duke and succession was fascinating and, and clarifying and probably the best you know, the best conversation I've heard heard about it and read about it. I mean I to be honest with you, I wasn't and maybe this this speaks to to, to, to me not consuming quite as much Duke basketball news as I have, but I didn't realize that Capel had clearly, you know, gotten the inside line on this, and 
that, that's that's a, according to us. According that's to us. just all well, speculation. I mean, the recruiting stuff is a huge thing, and 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 I and I know that, and and there were just a couple other things that that, that, that came up in the course of it. You know, Quinn Snyder. I don't think a lot of Duke fans actually realize what a successful NBA coach he is. Um, Peter but I didn't. also think that no, I, I think you guys are right to suggest that him coming back to college is probably unlikely, especially at Duke, given the cloud that he left under. I yeah. mean, you know, I, I just I thought it was, you know, um, I think you guys are right on it. And but you know, back to the 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 the, the, the ninety four thing. I mean, I we're all going to grumble about the, the the historical BS of people touting the conspiracy theory that Coach K like sort of you know made this all up because he knew he had a crap team. That was a good team. Like that's some, that's some good fake, were, fake news. They they were they were good when he left. They had just won a big game against a good team, a rival team. Mm-hmm. Um, he didn't know this team was going into the toilet, um, and we lost a lot of close games that season. The only thing that I wanted to add to the to the um, the Coach K and what happened there was just you know some of the, the the rumors, and I have to stress that these were rumors, even though I I, I heard heard it um, from someone I would consider reliable at the time and um, repeated by others, although who knows if it's the same echo chamber. The one thing about Coach K's um, health that year I had, I had heard was that he had had a kind of a breakdown, which you guys alluded to, um, doing too much, working too hard. Um, but I had heard that there was a psychological dimension to it in that um, when his back started hurting, it was hurting in exactly the way um, Jim Valvano's pain started when he fell ill with cancer. Oh, wow. And, and w- w- what I had heard was that was that case. It, a part of what had, was happening to him was was sort of a terror that the, that he was having the same thing that had killed his best friend, um, and that that was there was a psychological component to it. I, I have no idea if that's that. I believe that's true, um, but you know, is that one factor in '74 that the guy was dealing with at the time, or was it the thing? Who knows? No one could possibly know. But I but I did think that that was. Um, that's always felt plausible to me, just knowing what their relationship was like. That makes that um, makes a lot of sense, and it's only nine months after Jimmy V uh, passed away that the Coach K had to take the, the leave. So it sort of makes sense. I mean, even even that just sort of being something that weighed on him in general. Uh, can you imagine coaching ten miles, fifteen miles away from you know one of your best friends in the world, and he he. You know he dies. It must. It must have been devastating just just on that level, um, not having him there. Yeah, I think there are a million things going on there, right? And yeah. um, um, and it um, it, it 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 clearly knocked him out. Um, this feels way different, as you guys discussed. This just feels so different in so many ways. Now, back injuries are very weird, and God knows his recovery could go off the rails. Who knows? Um, I have a little bit of experience with herniated discs, and I can say that you do not want to be the position that a, that a, that a basketball coach is crouched in um, for two and a half hours when you see them sitting on the bench. That's basically the worst position you can be in if you have a herniated disc. Like it's just unimaginable to me that you could be dealing with that for months at a time. Um, he should that be being like- said, this is just a very different program, as you guys, for all the reasons you guys pointed out, and I just, I even. I listened to that podcast because I was looking for 
hope um, and encouragement. And I think I may have gotten a little too much from what you guys said. I mean, I was, you know, I was like, this is exactly what we need. And I think that's probably a little bit far-fetched. But I'm definitely not as concerned. Are you guys, do you get now having watched a game with Capel at the helm, how do you guys feel about it? I've, I've uh, never been that big a fan of Coach K as an in-game coach. Right. <laughs> right. We, we, you know, I think one of the things that separates our podcast, apart from probably a couple of the others that follow Duke, is that we, we've we always had a lot of, taken a lot of issues with, with sort of in-game decisions or general strategic decisions. We don't think he's necessarily the greatest strategic game coach, but we 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 certainly admire his ability to build a program, build a culture, inspire leadership, inspire effort. Yeah. That's the thing. Right. Recruiting, but, program building. I mean, he's the figurehead. He's the figurehead, right? So the big danger is what happens when he leaves, do we have the same draw? Is Jeff Capel Like what what kind of latitude do you think Jeff Capel has right now, Devin? Like, do you think he has the total green light to do whatever he wants? Yeah, but what does that really mean? You know, like. Yeah, I mean, for example, for example, not... for example, last year when Coach K was gone just for that one game, we had been playing zone pretty much because our defense was so atrocious. And I think at Georgia Tech, Capel just I think independently made the decision to go back to man to man, and it worked probably. It, in large part because George Tech wasn't very good offensively, but yeah. it like you well, know had been playing a little zone. I, I mean, yeah, and he stopped playing asking, a little zone. It wasn't that radical. I, um, but okay, but yeah, I mean, but if, he, you're, if you're asking me, do I think he has the leeway to make make, make that kind of tactical? I mean, significant, especially at Duke, where you know going to zone in the first place was a huge thing. Um, I mean. I definitely think he has that kind of leeway. I mean, I think the more interesting scenario would have been if, if at that point in the season we had stubbornly still been refusing to play zone, Coach K had gone out, and Cable had been the one to finally try it, right? That's, that's, the, that's the scenario you're looking for. Um, but in this case, Cable is cast in the part of making the actually more conservative decision that happened to be the right one at the time. Right. Um, I don't know. It just seems to me that he's... Yeah, I think he can do what he wants in the game, but I don't, I don't, I don't know. Okay, here's an interesting question: What happens if Grayson trips someone in our next game? <laughs> yeah, let's... right. Like, who's making that decision? Who's who's giving the press conference? And, and, I mean, I mean, and I think the answer is K. But I don't, I don't know. I, uh, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't think, I don't, I don't think Coach K would come out for that. I mean, I think. I think when he says he's going to be gone for four weeks, I mean he's he's not coming out for some press conference. Yeah, I, I'd and now okay, now I hear Skip Bayless on first take being like, if Coach K really cared about this kid, he'd come out there and say something about it. You know, yeah. like I mean, you're entering. I mean, God, please, God, let this not happen. Yeah, let's just like, hope this doesn't happen, right? <laughs> yeah, let, let's hope that doesn't happen. I, I was always a fan of, of them laying out w- what the consequences would be if he did it again. You know, like, I, I think, you know, whoever it was, Coach K, uh, Kevin White, the administrators, they should have said, hey, look, if you do it again, this is what's going to happen. But the problem is do what again? Do what again? Yeah. That's the I problem. Mean, the 
define define do it again. It's yeah. I mean, you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna box yourself in to kicking the kid off the team because because the public pressure believes that a trip may or may you know like oh god. Right. Did it's you? Just, turns out there's a lot of contact in basketball games. There's a lot of play between the lines. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I know people who genuinely believe that he should have been suspended three games, which which in the, which in college basketball is what like that's like ten percent of the season, maybe a little bit more than ten percent of the season, depending on how far you go. Yeah, yeah. your math skills and, and are, like, still, are still you know, right there a, for a liberal arts one guy. One flagrant foul. Yeah. Um, in, in the NBA, it's two shots. Yeah, it's not. They wanted him suspended three games, and in the NBA, it's two shots. The, to me, the incident on Elon against Elon, it was it was nothing. The incidents last year were, were seemed malicious. This one seemed like nothing. But that's my subjective spin on it, right? I mean, just looked like he he lifted his leg up a little, and it wasn't like he, you know, there's there's there's. It's all it's all such a gray area, really, and and the more you analyze it, the more confusing it kind of gets because these kinds of incidents just the closer you look at things, just the you know the more you slow it down in the slow mo, kind of the harder it is to to have the wide perspective on what what's going on here. What's going on here, in my view, is still he's just a hyper competitive kid who's a little emotionally immature, and to me, the more disturbing thing was his spaz out on the bench right after. Yeah, that, yeah. That, that's what I'd be worried about if I was an NBA, you know, scout. Well, that's why I mean, that's why I mean, you know, maybe, maybe another year of college where he doesn't have anything like this, and now he's suddenly a poised leader, a genuine captain. Um, that would is be a real difference maker for him, and that would be a great redemptive arc, <laughs> and give us another year of having a stud guard on our team who's hyper competitive. Yeah, it'd be great. Dunk unless, on people. unless he can. Unless he can complete that arc even faster, like you know, if he can complete yeah. that arc by the first week in April, Godspeed, you know, go have a great career in the NBA, Grayson. But but I think that failing that, and especially if there is a disappoint disappointing result in the tournament, um, <coughs> you know, maybe maybe you know, especially if if it, Mike, your point is right about him being on a four year trajectory in his own mind to begin with. Yeah, well, I guess we're going to find out. We'll see if he trips anyone in the next game. We'll see if he completes his redemptive arc. It's going to be one of the great, the great storylines of the rest of the season and the next year and his career. You know, I'm going to be rooting for him. What do you, Devin? Before we let you go, and I know we've had you on for a while. Did you, did you want to do you want to make any comments about any of the other young players? Uh, you know, Tatum, Bolden, Giles, uh, Luke Kennard must be one of your favorites in a while. I love Kennard. I mean, you know, he's he's not new to talk about, I guess. And I, I, I worry I haven't really um, seen enough of the, the new kids other than Frank Jackson to um, to really speak intelligently about them. Certainly not Giles. <clears throat> but Kennard is someone who, you know, I was, um, uh, I think I was at his first game because it was here in, or, you know, first real game, it was here in, um, here in New York last year um, and from the very first time I saw him and, I'm, and I don't claim to be right about players all the time I've certainly been wrong a lot but the thing I always liked about him is that from day one he attacked the basket he attacked, 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 attacked and he was so confident about attacking he just understands how to score and um, I, that is so exciting um, I, I, I actually struggle to find 
drafted, you heard about him hitting all these three-pointers. And being the sharpshooter, and you picture someone like Redick. Redick had to build that kind of game. He's got that game now in the NBA. But but Luke came in just with a nose for, for scoring. And, and man. Um, and he's bigger. He's bigger than Redick. And he's bigger. Um, yeah. I, I'm curious what you guys think of his athleticism. I'm, I'm, I'm worried that I'm... Um, I'm underrating his athleticism because I'm judging the book by its cover. I, he's clearly not a, a mega athlete, but at the same time, it's hard to be that gifted and nimble with score and not be a pretty good athlete. He's not a good athlete. He's yeah. flat out not a good athlete. He, I mean, compared well, to okay. guys in the NBA. Yeah, I, I feel like he got, he was benched for a pretty critical stretch of the second half uh, against Boston College. And I feel like it's because his defense, it was his guy who was just scoring pretty much at will. And that's I, and I feel, an effort issues the yeah. last few games on defense. Defensively, I think, I is what you pinpointed. But I feel like Cable might have sat him because his defense was so lacking. And in that particular game, his offense wasn't really that great either. But we don't really know. It could have been they were just up by enough and they wanted to give the other no, guys we, minutes. We went through like a four or five minute stretch where we couldn't make a single shot. They went on a 9-0 run and yeah. Kennard was not on the floor. And that is... You could, like that was, you could definitely tell he wasn't there because we weren't making any shots. Sure, I mean, I think it's in. I think he's an interesting case. Like we were looking for an NBA comp for him. We were talking about it preseason or in the beginning part of the season. I don't really have a perfect one. You know, you you made the point, Devin, when we were texting. You didn't want to just compare him to white guys necessarily. Um, you know, just for the sake of uh, pigeonholing him like that. But you know. I'm not exactly sure. I'm not exactly sure I, who, who to compare him to. I mean, it's interesting that he's been playing so many minutes for us, and he's still surprising me on a game-by-game basis with sort of his fluidity on offense, uh, especially in the paint. Um, he's able to to finish from you know six to twelve feet with a lot of natural. Just uh, poise, ease, poise. Yeah, like poise yeah. a lot. A lot of players sort of like tense up, and they they tend to act too quickly when they're six to twelve feet away from the basket. But he's never out of control. He's always poised. He always has a plan, and he's always attacking. I mean, I'm going to break my own rules because I'm going to compare him to someone white, and I'm also going to make a preposterous comparison. I want you to know that in no shape or form does he. Larry Bird. Are you about to say Larry Bird? Larry Bird. Because. He's a short, he's a shorter Larry Bird. Only in the sense that Larry Bird had no, was a very poor athlete in all the conventional ways that you think of someone. He couldn't jump. He he wasn't fast. He had no explosiveness. But he just had this 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 exceptional fluidity and control. It's not like it's not like Luke is just outsmarting guys. And you know, no, he's there's some. It's it's athletic of a kind. I don't know what to call it, but it's yeah. When people say savvy. When people say athletic, it often means different things, you know, uh, or being a great athlete. You know, these guys are all great athletes, all of them, every yeah. single one of them. Yeah. You know. Like when I, when I, when I, good. But yeah, so. Uh, when when yeah. I say Luke Kennard is not a great athlete, what I'm saying is, obviously he's a good athlete. He Speed, was all-state quick. quarterback. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. he's, 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 he's athletic at the college level, even though his defensive liability sort of is, is, is evident at the college level. What I'm saying is, if you stick him in the NBA, it'll be yeah. very, very clear that he is not athletic. 
Yeah, yeah, that's what I think. And, and I also wonder even if his – I do think he will be able to score at the NBA level, but will he be such a liability on the defensive end? Um, and maybe even, you know, it's not like there aren't guys in the NBA who are every bit as athletic in the way he's athletic, and they can blow by people, and they can jump over people. I don't know. Yeah, I, I mean, know. I just feel like with with Luke in the in the NBA, he can knock he can knock down the the deep outside shot, but the the way he dribble penetrates and then does you know little up and unders and like he converts on these six to twelve footers. I don't think he's going to convert very many of those in the NBA. You know, he's just yeah, going yeah. going up against taller guys, athletic freaks, and it's just going to be tough. You know, same thing with Emil Jefferson. Like he's scoring in a number of different ways in the paint, but I just can't see him scoring like that in the NBA. At the same time, well, at I see... Him, at least him, I, I actually am a big believer in Emil in the NBA, and, I, and, I, and the reason why I think so is because Lance Thomas has been in the NBA for... has had a long NBA career. Um, Emil can do the jobs that he needs to do in the NBA, and, and he also... People also seem to like having him around, and which also helps. Right. Um, like, I could see him having a career because... He'll set a pick. He'll get a rebound. He will always play in the right spot. He'll always be enthusiastic. Coaches will love him. And he'll just be a great... He'll be a veteran when he's 23 and people will love him. Luke, if he can't do what he can do, he, he has no fallback plan in the NBA. There's just, there is no role for Luke uh, in the NBA if he can't score. And I guess... I, I, hope, I hope I'm wrong about that. The guy scored 30 points twice as a freshman, man. Nobody, I don't remember any, anybody doing that. Do you? Scoring thirty twice when? As a freshman. As a freshman. I'm sure. Yeah. Who knows? I don't know. We don't have the numbers in front of us. This what he's doing this year is way more impressive to me than what he did last year, because there's a he's ahead of the game. He always knows what he's doing next. And yeah. what I've noticed is some flashes of passing and court awareness of where everybody else is on offense that have really got me turned on during games a few times. Um, and that's that's the way the NBA is going. It's going to more of a Euro ball movement, you know, multiple points of attack outside the three point lane, and I can see him utilizing the pump fake super well to to you know, take a few steps in. You know, I watch a lot of NBA games too, and what I notice is there's a bunch of guys that aren't perfect. <laughs> there's a bunch of guys that have flaws and blind spots in their game, whether it's you know. Isaiah Thomas the other night not being able to guard TJ McConnell, you know, because he's only 5'8". Like, everybody's got weaknesses. It's a big chess match. And, you know, in the hands of a good coach, Luke Kennard can be a very potent weapon in the NBA. In some circumstances, he might be a glaring weakness. uh, And he's just going to be another kind of chess piece. But what I like is that his strengths are really strong. And he looks like he he might be like a real elite shooter and possibly a passer on offense and maybe he can Pete, would you say his yeah. um sorry mike would, no, Pete, would you say his athleticism is inferior to jj reddick's or or is it uh it's not as about the same foot speed maybe a little less is that what you're jj reddick's a conditioning monster uh, I, right? yeah i would say i would take jj reddick his i would take yeah. his athleticism over luke's yeah, because I mean, one of the things that that's you know that's sort of an unknown commodity here is I I don't think, especially given the JJ Redick that we knew in high school or college rather, that JJ Redick would be the workaholic, genuinely. 
I mean, like he was that, that he was not that guy in college. Had too many, and too much Bojangles. <laughs> a little too much Bojangles, which is hard to fault him for. And I have no idea what Luke is like. He may already be JJ Redick, the late twenties work ethic. He might already be. I have no idea. But it seems like he's going to need to be if he's going to have that kind of career. Well, the other thing to look for is the vast improvement between his freshman year and his sophomore year. That kind of competitive yeah. motivation, that should be an indicator that the man's ready to work. He's not just going to rest on his laurels, potentially. Uh, I just I just thought of a comparison. Casey Jacobson, who played at Stanford back in the, I think, 90s. Uh, remember him? He was a dead-eye shooter. Yeah. He was yeah, about he was, six, he was six. West. Yeah, he's a little... A little, a little bigger. A little bigger, you know. Uh, he comes to mind as a guy. Anyhow, uh, Devin, we should probably let you go soon here. Did, uh, yeah, I should probably go back to work. Yeah, <laughs> you know, Keith Overman's probably waiting for you over there to turn in some uh, propaganda. How much, Devin, before you go, how much do you like this team? How far do you think this team will go? I still feel really good about them. I don't, I, I mean, it's, I mean, maybe it's just a, it's, it's a function of me being older and having been through this so many times and um, and not really seeing anything fatal in anything that's happened. I mean, I you know, I get the idea in theory that, you know, we need these guys to get to know each other and play together. Of course we do, but so much time and they look really good. They have, they're really talented. Um, and I look around and I see, you know, I don't, I've been seeing a ton of college basketball, but all these teams seem flawed. You know, it's, Right. Um, it doesn't seem. It'll be nice when we get to March, and we're going to be able to put probably four, often five guys on the floor at once who can all, all create a shot for themselves and attack. You know, I mean, that's that's. You know, you got a good shot at the title if you got three guys like that. Right. And and I just I wouldn't want to play us, would you? Yeah, I agree with you. Yeah. yeah. No, I mean, I think we we all agree probably that. We're as deep and talented as we need to be to win a national championship. The real question is, are these young guys who we know can play very, very well, are they going to get ready in a short, you know, a short period of time? Can they come together fast enough and kind of all get on the same page, especially with the coaching issues? And I think, you know, I can see it happening. I'm, I'm excited about it. I mean, knowing what we know about the NCAA tournament and how teams get hot and run the table, doesn't that? I mean, doesn't that seem like if it's not going to be us, it'll probably be someone else who does that. You know, it's it's that happens. I agree. It'll be us or someone else that'll win the tournament. <laughs> <laughs> on that level of expert analysis. All right, man. Uh, good to talk Thanks to you. Thanks for having me on, guys. It was fun. Thanks hey. for being our first guest and for giving us some editorial feedback. Uh, you know, at a few early points where we were like, hey, we have no idea what we're doing. You're you're somewhat of a professional here. Not a podcast professional, but at least, you know, uh, in crafting Nothing. crafting content for the public. Uh, so, you know, I appreciate all that. Uh, so, that's something else, Pete? No, that's it. Thank you so much, Devin. Appreciate it. All right, guys. It was all fun. Right. Talk to you soon. All right. Bye. Do you disagree with anything he said? Um... No, not really. Yeah, we might, you know. Uh, so getting back to... Well, actually, I, yeah. I, I mean, I think talk of Grayson coming back for his fourth year is completely ridiculous. Completely ridiculous. It just, it just won't happen. 
Yeah, I mean, like, I, I mean, I can I the cost, the cautionary tale is Will Avery. You leave college too soon, and you just wither away on on the bench in the NBA, right? But what you what you want to do in college is to demonstrate your ability against top competition, and I think Grayson's done that. I mean, he he pretty much did it his sophomore year. He could have left. Um, I've read a few things here and there about him wanting to come back his third year because to to succeed at the NBA level, he wanted to work on his points point guard skills. And over the last two games, it's pretty evident that that his he, passing. Yeah, is, he could uh, he could good. he could do that. So I just don't see what the fourth year for him would accomplish. Like I don't buy this whole oh this junior year was completely tarnished because of Elon. Like I just zero percent. Yeah, I think he's and he comes back. Zero. Uh, you know, if you were him, you would leave. And if I were him, I might leave. But we're not him. Only Grayson gets to make these decisions. He's got a lot of things factoring in. And it, it could be that the calculus in his head is different than what you imagine it might be. So you can't say it's 0%. Nothing. Nothing is 0%. Or 100? Nothing is 100% either. It's, yeah. it's zero. Getting back to the games just for a minute, uh, we didn't really talk about Georgia Tech. Um, we talked about the comeback a little bit and some of what happened against BC for a minute there. Uh, I thought we played beautiful, beautiful basketball for most of the last two games. Uh, just really efficient offense, good shooting at home against two relatively weaker opponents in the ACC, but not total stiffs. Georgia Tech beat UNC, yep. Boston College beat uh, Syracuse by 15, you know, the previous week. You know, always tough to come into Cameron, but how about it? How about uh, the team playing pretty well together? How about Grayson Allen distributing distributing super well yeah. and just taking a back seat and being like, you know what? We have a lot of guys that can shoot and score. Maybe I don't need to do that so much, especially this week. Yeah, he's passing great. I feel like he's doing it a little bit too much like when there have been a few times where he's dribble penetrated where last year his sophomore year when we only had six guys and Grayson and Brandon Ingram were our primary scorers like he would look to finish um, with a with a bucket uh, and he would just sort of like dish off after penetrating to the to like a corner three Matt Jones open corner three instead of finishing I'd, I'd, I'd like to see him finish a few of these where he dribble penetrates and he can get a pretty makeable bucket inside the paint instead of dishing off to like a Matt Jones yeah. type outside. It's it's actually good to see Matt Jones make a bunch of buckets in the last few games. Matt Jones coming off the bench the last two games. That's one of the bigger changes. Yeah. Harry Giles starting. Yeah. And it just it just seems right to me because Matt Jones can handle that. And Harry Giles might need to start to kind of get his mind right because he's always been a starter. He's a star. Yeah. And we want him to embrace being a star. Giles' wind seems to still, like, he's just not running up and down the court. Like, he's jogging. And, you know, he can't, he still just can't go all out. Like, I just can't. He's not finishing strong like you think he might. He's supposed to be the next Kevin Garnett. And if you look at YouTube videos of him, wow. He still and has he's, he's he still has some good settling. moves. Yeah, he still yeah. has some good moves, but it's clear that athletically, his body wise is just not there. Yeah. Uh, but I feel like he's still pretty much a liability defensively. Like he's 
he's his on the ball defense seemed pretty good in the post, like pretty decent. Like help defense, but the help defense looks like it's not his yeah. awareness, and he seems like a little confused on the court. He looks like Okafor looks like in the NBA these days. Just like, lost. Like he's just out there. It's like, oh, this is chess, and I'm used to checkers. But I think it may just be he's winded, and it may be that he just hasn't played much in two years, and it's. You know, the college game, I'm sure, moves faster than, you know, I know he played some international ball, but, you know, when you haven't played in a while, you know, it doesn't matter how good you are. Yeah, it's crazy that he sat out two of the last three seasons. Yeah. You know? um, I did also want to ask, you know, we look so good offensively against Georgia Tech and BC. You know, we're, like, sort of easily putting up 100 points. Yeah. And yet against Virginia Tech, it seemed like we couldn't even move the ball. Like we couldn't even get a quality shot. And I know that a big factor was Grayson wasn't there, but the other players on the on the floor are still top top players. Like what happened? Frank Jackson looked different in that game than he looked in the last in the, two games. In the Virginia Tech game. Yeah, yeah I think he's and he's. I don't know if it's an injury coming or along with the with the ankle or the foot sprain. Yeah, he didn't seem to have a spring in his step. He was looking like a step slow, and he wasn't finishing strong. Yeah. Like, Against BC, he looked really good. Uh, against yeah. both in both yeah. games, he looked really good. Yeah. And Grayson Allen, that extra ingredient was the passing. And I think I think we're really missing that passing. It turns out, I mean, Luke Kennard could get some things done, no doubt. But having that extra point of attack, you know, that ball handling point of attack was important. And I think kind of just the freshmen weren't really ready at that Virginia Tech game. I think if we went and played them in in three or four weeks. We handle them. Well, you think like Tatum and Bolden and Giles just weren't ready for that particular that game? Well, I know Bolden and, and Giles weren't exactly, and you know, I, and Tatum's getting better and better too. Yeah, uh, no, Tatum seems to be the guy. He's done a lot in terms of blocking wow. and steals and those long arms, disrupting passes. Yep, yep. Uh, him on defense, his all-around court game, just deflections. Blocks from out of position. It's just very impressive. His steal numbers, his block numbers. And when, the only thing we don't like are those sort of long mid-range yeah. jumpers. I mean, his three-point shot seems like good when in rhythm and when not in rhythm, you know, a little ugly. But everything but that, I mean, that's not terrible. And everything right. but that has looked really nice. He, has he looked like a, li- a little more fluid finishing? A little the bit. Last few games, but, but for, still for, running for some, into people. Yeah, for little. some reason, both Tatum and Giles seem like they should be much better finishers than they. I mean, they've like they've caught the ball up like. Could this be Tatum at seventy five percent? Like seventy, like maybe he is not in condition. I I, I hear I mean, a lot of commentators, including you know Jay Billis, said you know he is still just scratching the surface. Like you know where he's saying I've seen Tatum in in form and. This is he's still just approaching that. They all look like like uh, big dog puppies, <laughs> like testing out their new legs a little, you know. And uh, may, maybe that just can't be sort of overstated, uh, you know. But it, I don't see it with Bolden. I don't see it yet, and yeah, I can but, sort of see it with Giles. But he's, it's obviously he's not playing at that level. But um, but yeah, the team the team was great. The team looks. Looks good. I mean, if, yeah, what about defensively? I, th- I think I think I, c- I can see it. I can see it coming. You can you can see them being a top defensive team. 
I know you said that they would be top 10 Kenpon defensive. I mean, Bolden was a great shot blocker in high school and on the AAU circuit. Giles is I feel such like a physical presence when he gets back. So is Tatum. Now, I, I don't know how we're going to defend. Without Jefferson? Well, the, no, I mean, I, you know, the Jefferson injury is something we haven't talked about. It just turned, came out that he has a, a bone bruise in his foot. He's out indefinitely. We don't really know what it means. Well, they said at least one game. But if anything, like, one of the complaints we had early in the season is, well, let's get Bolden and Giles some minutes. Well, guess what? Now we're going to get Bolden and Giles a ton of minutes. Do we want Bolden to have a ton of minutes? Yeah, we want him to play. We want him to get his legs. At this point, would you take Jeter over Bolden? Even though I, I feel like both Jeter Jeter's and... Jeter's going to play better than Bolden. Like I feel like Jeter and Deloria have some type of um, health issues. They also have yeah, health issues. Deloria's Del- been out. Deloria was in a walking boot in one of the previous games, and Chase Jeter was in street clothes in one of the previous games. But there's not really a ton of information out on them. It's a good thing we have the Duke Medical Center uh, at our disposal and the for this the elite for this team <laughs> the elite co- <coughs> training staff. Uh, you know they keep us in the dark about these things generally. Yeah. So there's just the whole the, the whole mantra of you know we don't like to talk about injuries. I didn't know what was wrong with Sean Obi the entire he's, year he's, two years ago. I was like, do we need him? I was like, why why can't they put him in the game? Turns out he was injured all year, and I didn't know. Yeah. You know, as a casual fan. I'm sure, like people covering the team on the beat, kind of, you know, knew, but they weren't. There, there wasn't addressed in a press conference. Yeah. So they're not going to talk a lot about Chase Jeter's injury. I think these but, these two upcoming games will tell us a lot about this team. You know, we have uh, two tough games. Uh, Tuesday on the road at Florida State. Florida State's playing great. They're, Florida State's punished us at Florida State <laughs> over yeah. the last so many years. Yeah, they're ranked twelfth. Um, and then we will play, I want to say, over the weekend at Louisville, which should also be a tough, tough game. Um, if Emil Jefferson's out, it seemed like Jeff Cable went with Matt Jones starting in the second half against uh, BC. So is that what we're looking forward to, Matt Jones returning to the starting gig? Uh, you know, I'm not familiar enough with Florida State's starting lineup to know like how he would want to work the matchups. Yeah. Um, I would expect Matt Jones to start. Yeah. Are you afraid at all? Because now our only bigs are Giles and Bolden, and we're still not sure about Jeter. I heard Jeter's going to play the next game. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I so saw then, him so then we today. have like three. I, w- I would take Jeter over Bolden. Well, right this second, maybe, yeah. But Bolden's supposed to be the, the bigger talent. Uh, I you know I'd like to see them, they should all be able to get minutes you know if Jefferson's out that's one of the nice things I mean one of the nice things about Coach K going out is it it gives us a look at Capel as a coach it gives Capel the chance to stretch his legs a little in that role and one of the things that you know if Jefferson misses a couple of games we got guys we got Sick NBA guys. talent coming off the bench to replace them and hey guess what they need reps yeah they need reps with these guys so. They're getting practice, extra practice reps. They're, you know, would it help to play against Jefferson in practice? Yeah, but you know what? It's like creates this opportunity, and doesn't sound. I mean, I was concerned Jefferson was going to be out the whole year. No, doesn't sound like that's no. going to be the issue. I mean, it didn't he didn't look that upset on the bench when he finally came back? It wasn't in ice. It wasn't wrapped up or anything. Yeah. So, you know, hopefully everything kind of works out. I'm, I'm sure it won't work out perfectly. You know. We might lose one or both of these games, 
Uh, are we favored in the Florida State game? Do you know? Uh, the line wasn't out yet. Probably later tonight it'll be out. I imagine we'll probably be a dog. Two and a half, three point dog. Um, uh, yeah, I we're imagine we're gonna probably be. gonna be a dog at Louisville. Louisville's a very good team. Louisville and Florida State are gonna present a big test. I don't know what's gonna happen. It's gonna be fun to watch. Yeah. Uh, hopefully, you know, I think we'll, you know, I think there's a good chance we're gonna win one of the games. I think we could win both. Um, why not? We got big test. We got a lot of guys. We got guys. Oh, the other thing I guess I should mention is that we're due to have the baby in 12 days. So, you know, who gotta, knows? Gotta get in a pot beforehand. Yeah, well, we'll, yeah, well who, knows, who knows? We'll try to get this in. But, you know, uh, I might have to have you and Devin do it. <laughs> Devin's now our third man. You might have to call in if. Uh, There's nobody who could do this. You're the only tech person. All right. All right, well, uh, that wraps it up. Send us emails to uh, junkies at gmail.com. Uh, catch our tweets while they last before we disable the account. <laughs> and uh, to those who have been listening, we, we, we appreciate it. Uh, it's cool that we have, you know, you know somewhat of an audience, people listeners. actually listening, people emailing us. We, you know, all feedback is appreciated. And uh, thanks for hanging in. Hopefully Duke hangs in and uh, steps up this week. Yeah, that'd be a tough test. And thanks yeah. again, Devin. Yeah, thanks to Devin, our first guest. So hopefully the sound quality wasn't too ridiculous at all. But uh, we'll listen back and see. So, go Duke.